we facing a new Chinese-Russian axis? And if yes, how can this influence the future of Russia's war against Ukraine? You're listening to the podcast Explaining Ukraine. My name is Volodymyr Yermolenko, I'm Ukrainian philosopher and journalist, chief editor of ukraineworld.org, a website in English about Ukraine. My guest is Maxim Panchenko, uh, expert and analyst at Ukraine World. Ukraine World is brought to you by Internews Ukraine, one of the largest Ukrainian media NGOs. You can support us on patreon.com slash Ukraine World. You can also support our volunteer trips to the frontline areas at PayPal, ukraine.resistinggmail.com. This is our series Around Ukraine, in which we discuss what is happening in the international context of the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Okay, Maxim, so let's discuss what is happening in the international context around Russia's invasion of Ukraine. What were the key events and trends this week? Hello. So, of course, the biggest news of the week is the arrest order from the International Criminal Court for President Putin. And uh, the news is also about all the facets that this implicates. There is also the visit, the pending visit, in fact, of uh, China's president, Xi Jinping, to Russia and how that also impacts Russia's invasion to Ukraine. There has been the downing of an American drone in the Black Sea, so there are security implications. And finally, we have we will spend a minute talking about the Wagner Group and the several international developments it has transpired in for the last couple of days or week, maybe. Okay, so let's start with the this arrest around for uh, Vladimir Putin. This is, of course, a very, very big event and, and frankly speaking, uh, for many commentators and observers, unexpected event. It shows the maybe courage, the bravery of the International Criminal Court. Um, but uh, first, can you explain why it was issued, uh, who was also implied except uh, Vladimir Putin, and uh, maybe what are the consequences of this event? Well, so a couple of days back, Uh, there was this arrest warrant issued by the International Criminal Court. This was the document issued uh, as a measure of the court for the time of uh, the investigation of war crimes committed in Ukraine by Russia. And the, and the specific pretext, the specific suspected crime for which the arrest order was issued, uh, it was the relocation of Ukrainian children from the territory of Ukraine to the territory of Russia, which constitutes, under the Geneva uh, Convention, uh, a war crime. So we already have one, uh, at least one war crime that Putin, President Putin himself, is suspected of. And of course, uh, he was not the only one who was issued the arrest order for. Also, there is the special representative of the president's, of the Russia's president uh, for the children affairs. So she was uh, issued an order, an arrest order too. In my opinion, for the time being, this has more political rather than legal implications. Because, uh, well, insofar as Putin does not leave the territory of Russia, and insofar as the investigation is ongoing anyway, uh, this does not have any immediate legal consequences. He's not going to be immediately incarcerated and judged. However, uh, politically, it means a lot because it means that starting from the fact that President Putin now cannot travel to a lot of countries who are signatories to, to the Rome Statute 
and therefore are obliged to arrest him if he steps on their soil, all the way to uh, President Putin becoming basically toxic in the international relations, because now everybody will think twice or thrice before negotiating with him on whatever manner uh, matter. Sorry, because uh, speaking, even talking to him, negotiating with him would be smearing one's reputation. So that already has significant political implications rather than legal at this point, I think. Yes, I, I agree with you that this is this might have uh, long-term consequences, uh, both political and, we hope, legal, of course. Uh, it will be m- much more difficult for the countries which are ratified the Rome Statute to actually, actually to deal with Putin. It will be uh, much more difficult to argue for any release of sanctions, for example, uh, eventual release of sanctions. It will be much more difficult to hold talks, I mean, can we now imagine Mr. Macron uh, having a phone talk with the, with the Russian president who is officially got the arrest warrant? And uh, as the, the, the court of the International, the International Criminal Court explained, this arrest warrant is actually for life because unless uh, Putin is arrested and is convicted, uh, he will always be uh, under, this, um, under, under this kind of a legal legal threat. At the same time, you mentioned this uh, Russian ombudsman for, for children who is called Maria Lvova-Bilova, uh, who is a young woman uh, born in 1984 and who was you know, present in the Russian um, pol- politics or social life as a woman who is taking care of children, who, who adopts children, who is showing how know clement she is and how kind she is and she's like um i think she's taking care uh, of about nine children or whatever so uh, this is indeed an attempt to show this humanistic face of the russian regime and uh, there were lots of videos of putin talking to maria Lvova Bilova, but we understand the whole the, the whole cynicism in this situation when actually they come to Ukraine, they bombard Ukraine, they kill uh, children. Uh, at least five, I think it's a, it's about five hundred children killed, according to official figures, and the the real figure can be much much higher. And then they pretend to evacuate these children. Uh, some of them have parents, some of them do not have parents. Uh, they pretend to save them, whereas, well, they created the situation when these children have no families and no no, no, no parents. Uh, we often hear stories when they separate uh, families, for example, when from occupied territories they take children and uh, bring them to the so-called children camps and then... Uh, like pioneer camps like during the Soviet Union, and then uh, the parents have no uh, capacity actually to take them back. And uh, we we also see that there is this, you know, pro-Russian education of these children. They they try to make them new Russian citizens. They they try to, um, uh, you know, cultivate them, um, educate them in the spirit of hatred of Ukraine and hatred of the West, probably. And it is so funny that this Maria Lvova below, once she said that, look, we, we, we took 
children from Mariupol. And then initially they were kind of strange. They were refusing to, to greet us. They were singing anthem to Ukraine. She said anthem to Ukraine, gimn Ukrainia. I, I just noticed that. Not gimn Ukraine, not anthem of Ukraine, but anthem to Ukraine. And... Uh, and as if they, they were not normal, they were kind of a deviant children. Okay, you, you take children from the occupied lands after you have bombed them, and then you are kind of a, uh, say, okay, this is not normal what they're doing there. They're not normal, they're deviant because they're Ukrainians and they love their country and they, they sing the, the Ukraine anthem. So we will make them normal again. We will we'll normalize them. This is, this is the rhetoric behind that. But again, what strikes me is how this image of a humanistic person uh, of this Maria Lvova Bilova actually how how Russian regime tries to make this image put this mask of a humanistic regime what do you think I, I totally agree with you because this is a very perverted perception of things and uh, trying to present it as actually caring for children actually trying to save somebody this is a picture they try to sell to their own people and maybe they are so um, well influenced by their own propaganda that they even believe it themselves that they are caring for somebody and uh, you know saving somebody from 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 Ukraine in this instance. But the important thing here is that there are clear guidelines uh, internationally uh, respected as to what constitutes a war crime and what does not. And the things that Russia is doing uh, is definitely a war crime because. If they wanted to care about children, they could have just not started bombing them in the first place and then, and then you know, taking them to the territory of Russia. So this is, again, once again, a very perverted perception of things. And the fact that they are trying to sell it to, to different audiences, it testifies only basically one, uh, to one of two things. Either they are, uh, they have been uh, influenced by their own propaganda or they are trying to uh, you know, to convince somebody else and that way to avoid this war crime, uh, well, uh, war crime incriminations from the international bodies, you know, from anybody around the world. So maybe it's just another, you know, spin of this uh, war for, uh, well, for vision of, of, of things around the world. Yes, and I thought so. I think one of the red lines which was crossed in this decision is that, you know, uh, politically this was a kind of a latent, latent decision, uh, latent agreement among the world leaders that we we do not impose sanctions on Putin, we just uh, impose sanctions on his closest entourage, and uh, apart from that, we kind of. Uh, give a sign to Putin that something is wrong and that people around him are um, are actually targeted with sanctions. But this is precisely rest of war on to uh, the Russian president. And we understand why, because he showed himself numerous times with this Maria Lvova Bilova and he actually, on the camera, was giving orders what to do with these children and how to take care of them, how to ensure their adoption, how to ensure they. In integration into Russia, the kind of um, integration into Russian citizenship, etc. This is all filmed. This is all filmed by the official Russian propaganda. This is this also shows how stupid official Russian propaganda sometimes is. And another thing is, of course, that uh, that uh, 
this is a legal act. This is not a political act. So nobody, uh, I hope that no country which actually ratified the Roman statehood uh, will be able now to say, okay, this is politics, this is the political action, and, and we don't we don't care about this, we don't observe this. This is a legal act, and, and therefore it has, I think, and we hope, much wider consequences. Let's move forward. So we see how Russia is actually reacting to that. It's trying to strengthen the authoritarian axis. It's trying, it's trying to... Um, you know, encircle itself with the uh, with the authoritarian countries. We have seen its close close uh, relations with Iran, and uh, we've discussed it in in our previous episodes. And now, of course, China. The visit of Xi Jinping to China, and uh, um, Putin's article in in the leading Chinese newspaper beforehand, one day before this visit. This was, of course, a very very big sign. We understand that China tries to show itself as a big. Uh, peacemaker, uh, and uh, therefore there was information that Xi Jinping is going to talk to Volodymyr Zelensky, Ukraine's president, but uh, only on the phone. And physically he is in Moscow, and there was a very long conversation, four uh, hours and a half, between the two leaders. And actually, well, despite Russia's attempt to show it uh, like a bilateral equal meeting, I think it was clear that China came and China's leader came to Russia as the new kind of a suzerain to this to this country. What do you think? Well, I think that most of the agenda of the visit apparently was uh, behind the behind the covers, so to say. So it's not been made public at least yet. Uh, but uh, even judging from the mm, well, from the symbolic things from this from the diplomatic symbolism there is so much to talk about first of all the arrest order that we have just been discussing had been issued for putin uh, only a couple of days before uh Cheney's president had to visit uh, russia and everybody was wondering all the pundits were wondering if uh, this would stop uh, China from uh, Chinese leader from coming to Russia because China is not a signatory of of their own statute, uh, so it doesn't have any uh, well formal pretexts not to come or not to or, or to arrest him, you know, etc. etc. But uh, as we said, as we discussed, this is so much about politics at this stage, not just the legal dimension. So everybody was expecting whether China would uh, would prefer or not to smear itself with with contacts with uh, with Putin's Russia. And we see that all in all, uh, the Chinese leader has come to Russia and that it's in itself is not a very pleasant, but a very vocal, very vociferous uh, sign per se. And also, as you said, the fact that uh, he has come to Russia for a multi-day visit and only is going to talk to Ukrainian leader over the phone, this means much uh, in Western diplomatic symbolism, but it means even more, I think, in the Chinese uh, diplomatic symbolism, in the you know, in the Eastern diplomatic symbolism, because uh, so so much symbolism as exists uh, in the Eastern practices, it is even more uh, eloquent, I would say. And the fact that there is a full-fledged visit, multi-day visit, but at the same time, there is only going to be only a conversation with the Ukrainian leader, not a visit, you know one uh, capital after another, etc. I think that tells a lot. Uh, and it, it has to make 
Ukrainian leadership to think a lot about how about how to cooperate and how to negotiate with the Chinese henceforth what you know it it makes us more sober about what we mean uh, for you know what part of the world picture we have uh, in the eyes of the eastern countries primarily China yeah yeah so this is uh, this is an important event and maybe uh, it it's also interesting how what the what was what was the rhetoric of uh, Putin's article for Chinese audience. And the rhetoric was that, look, uh, this cooperation actually presents the true harmony, and it, he was like using these words, the true harmony which can exist between states, not uh, that type of relationship uh, which exists in the West, where there is hierarchy, where the, there is domination, etc. And actually, we understand that this is all fake. This, this is all disinformation because first, in the Russian vision of the world, has there has never been any idea of the equal relations. And there was only an idea of the empire versus colonies. And in the Chinese vision of the world, I don't think that uh, Xi Jinping came to Russia for equal relations. I think that Putin was saying that in order to you know juxtapose this type of relationships with uh, that type which existed during the Cold War when the Soviet Union was, was rather the leader. But now uh, we will increasingly face maybe the situation when, when, when China will be increasingly the leader of this authoritarian axis. And basically one of the key questions for us is what is the China strategy? Is China's strategy to support Russia or is China's strategy to exhaust all the parties uh, in the conflict? And uh, this might explain, you know, many many things that that will uh, will be happening in the future. Of course, uh, the the answer to this question actually leads us to the answer to many other questions. Okay, um, what else can we say? Let's move forward to the issue of um, downing of an American drone in the Black Sea. What can you say about this? Well, so basically, again, during the last uh, couple of days, there has been this incident um, when there was the reconnaissance drone of the United States in the Black Sea. And basically, Russia, uh, well, not shot it down. It used two fighter jets to collide with it and then, you know, to down it that way and to to sink it. Uh, But uh, essentially, what it boils down to, in my opinion, is... Uh, turf wars in a way because there is this uh, position of Ukraine and the Western states according to which there is uh, the vision of what international waters and what Ukraine's territory is. This is the issue of Crimea belonging to Ukraine and this being internationally recognized etc. And there is Russia's vision who says that Crimea is Russian and moreover, this part of the of the high seas is now closed because of the special military operation, as we as uh, Russia calls it. And uh, from what I read, this is uh, word word by word what uh, Russian ambassador to the United States says, uh, in, basically in in the United States when he was summoned to you know to the administration, he said that Russia had. Um, warned the United States and the entire world that this is going to be the zone of the special military operation. So, you know, do not do not poke your nose around here. So what I gather from this incident is that 
uh, whatever the American drone was doing there, uh, this whole picture boils down to to perceptions, to demonstrations by the sides of how they try to live up to their own uh, vision of what is the free territory, what is Ukrainian territory, what is uh, the international waters, etc. And that way to draw some red lines for Russia uh, in this case, uh, and you know, not and, and to make it not cross it. Of course, I think there has been also a more practical element to this because obviously the American drone was doing reconnaissance there, just given the type of that uh, of that drone. But as for now, at least there are no further details on that, so it is not uh, one cannot comment something something very specifically. Yeah, so Russia shows that uh, actually it's it's it continues its strategy of violating the borders, of violating the international space in the in international waters, right? Because this is this is how Russia is waging this war. Uh, it says that well, Ukrainian territory is not a Ukrainian territory. International waters uh, are not international waters. And we can make further analogy that the tragedy of MH17, the downing of the uh, airplane in t- uh, 2014, uh, done by Russian uh, and pro-Russian troops. Well, Russians can also say that, look, why are you flying over Ukrainian territory? This is a war zone and we can shoot any airplane here. Right. So this has really, really dramatic and tragic uh, consequences. Maybe the last question about the Wagner Group uh, um, and um, some news that appears in the international context about this. We we, we see that the Wagner Group has been uh, increasingly active in the Russian invasion of Ukraine uh, as a paramilitary group, which is called a private uh, military company. But of course, this is also a lie. We understand that never trust any Russian word and any, uh, any Russian abbreviation Wagner is not a private military company because private military company cannot use artillery cannot uh, use aviation cannot use tanks what they have been using at least with artillery it's clearly that they have been using in the in the eastern Ukraine and uh, this is one of the Russian hands this is one of the Russian instruments uh, used for many, many years for several purposes. First, to effectuate uh, some of the the most bloody or the most illegal actions. And secondly, to hide the real co- uh, casualties because, well, they can always say that um, people who died in the Wagner Group are not actually the Russian servicemen, the Russian military, and therefore they do not count. So uh, what are the recent events around it? Yes, so against the, this general framework, this general um, framework that you just uh, painted of what the Wagner Group is and what its role is, there have been some significant developments um, in the international context of Wagner Group, so to say, uh, during the last week. Uh, first, there, uh, there have been news in Western press that uh, Dmitry Medvedev, who has once been uh, president of uh, Russia, uh, and now he's you know he's in the top leadership of Russia, but he has been basically tucked away for some administrative posts to some administrative posts. Um, there are news that he had ordered assassination of a high-ranking Italian officer, of a high, uh, uh, if I'm not mistaken, of the defense minister of Italy, 
which basically is would be in retaliation for his support and generally Italy's support of uh, Ukraine and sending weapons to Ukraine. So this is very indicative. Uh, this is very vindictive, of course, but most of all, it is uh, very telling about why this Wagner group has to be how, why the actions or the purported actions of the Wagner group should be perceived in the world in the world as the uh, as instances of the state terrorism of Russia's state terrorism because we have been talking about that Russia's state terrorism in Ukraine for the past year very frequently at least uh, because of which war crimes Russia is committing in Ukraine etc and how it is building how it is bombing the civil uh, buildings civil infrastructure and uh, civilians however now this uh, starts to be brought on the international plane planning plotting to assassinate a foreign official high ranking official it is a very a very serious thing and how else uh, other than state terrorism this could be labeled and the another development uh, it happened interestingly interestingly enough it either happened or was reported because there can be differences uh, on the day of president xi jinping's visit to russia so there are news that in the central african republic uh, members of the wagner group stationed there have killed several uh, i think it was up to a dozen even uh, members uh, of a gold digging company uh gold digging workers that are chinese nationals so this first of all confirms of what i've been uh, talking about uh, the italian example and it is uh, just showing how much uh, how much this tendency this disturbing tendency spreads around the world but secondly it also shows uh, that uh, this has been committed in this particular case against Chinese nationals. This is, uh, they are stupid enough, let me put it bluntly, you know, to do even this, even these things, you know, to project their violence so far as to not choose their targets and not think twice about, hey, that this may be our political allies. So this is also one, well, another aspect, another facet of this uh, danger that you never know what the next target can be because it eventually can be anyone and this is one more reason to curb it yes and uh it's it's very important that we spot this story just to add to the italian story uh basically the information came from italian newspaper il folio which reported uh recently a couple of actually on the 15th of march that uh according to italian um intelligence there the could have been a an assassination attempt of um, Italian defense minister Guido Crosetto and maybe Mr. Medvedev is behind it at least he was calling um, Crosetto with using very very obscene words in Russian uh, to uh, mark this official well, indeed, the Wagner Group is 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 a remarkable story because and, and other actually other paramilitary units in Russia, including Kadyrov, the Chechen units, including right now there are there is information from various sources that Putin himself is is preparing kind of a private army around himself in case there there are disturbances in Russia and and disorder. We're actually moving back to something like I don't know. Uh, some people compare it with Aprichnina, with the times of Ivan the Terrible, Ivan Grozny, 
uh, who um, actually surrounded himself with this uh, very cruel very cruel people and uh, and actually gave them power so it was kind of a the rule of the mafia at that time of the world and it's remarkable that the russian state which we believed is is so so strong so hierarchical actually accepts the existence of such things mm, so it's turning well an empire which actually using using the private armies the feudal structures the medieval structures to achieve this its goals Okay, we will finish on that note. Um, thank you for listening. This was a podcast explaining Ukraine by ukraineworld.org, our series around Ukraine in which we discuss the international context of Russian invasion of Ukraine. Uh, my name is Vladimir Yermolenko. I'm Ukrainian philosopher and journalist, chief editor of Ukraine World. And my guest is uh, traditionally Maxim Panchenko, who is analyst and journalist at Ukraine World and who is preparing this series around Ukraine. Uh, you can support us on patreon.com slash Ukraine world. You can also support our volunteer trips to the front line at PayPal, ukraine.resisting.gmail.com. Stay with us and stand with Ukraine. <laughs>